Welcome to today's podcast. This is Neil Grant, author of the book, Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor, Practical, Real Life, and Holistic Advice for the Graduate Transitioning into Adulthood. The paperback is for sale on my website, newgradadvice.com. Also, it's finally made it to Amazon. Both the ebook and the paperback book are for sale there. My last podcast discussed the process of starting out on your new job. Today's podcast takes the next step after learning the ropes and performing well that you may be moving into a leadership role. There are many people who have performed well in their present job but have failed when managing people. As you grow in your business life, you will need to step back and carefully examine your capabilities and desires to understand if you really want to move into a leadership role. You will probably make more money there but will also incur more headaches, especially those related to human resource issue, the hardest of all issues to deal with. So hopefully this podcast will indoctrinate you into some of the basic principles, and this may help you decide if you are cut out for a leadership position. There's nothing magical about becoming a manager and being successful at it. However, sometimes the company makes a great worker bee and makes him into a manager who becomes a terrible manager often known as the PETA principle. However, if you understand and learn how to implement a few basic concepts about managing people and projects, you will become successful, and I will bet that this is the goal of many of the listeners here. If you've followed the sequence of these words of wisdom, you've learned about excelling at an interview, and you've learned more about starting a new job, what to expect, how to best perform in that role. Sooner or later, I fully expect that you will move into a supervisory or management role and hopefully become a leader along the way. Let's first define these roles, which sometimes are used interchangeably and may also be hard to define. Supervisor. This is a frontline position overseeing the work of the staff while reporting to the manager. This person is responsible for the quality of the work training new employees, recommending position changes for certain employees, such as promotions or firings and layoffs. Their main role is to keep the work or production on track to meet management's goals. The manager. A manager may have multiple supervisors reporting to him or her and is responsible for the work as well as the processes and equipment. This position will do the hiring and promoting and firing with recommendations from the supervisor as needed to keep the business running smoothly. The four primary functions of managers are planning, organizing, leading, and controlling. Leader, usually a higher position but is more of a visionary than a production person. What should we be doing three to five years from now? Or how do we get there? Supervisors and managers can also be leaders, but their main function is to keep production going while the leader must see trends and formulate actions to be taken to adjust plans as needed to stay successful. I had the pleasure to read a couple books by John C. Maxwell. The first was The 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork, and then I read The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. If you follow the basic guidelines for becoming a good employee in a previous podcast, you will become successful in being a good team player and an asset to the team. So in this podcast, I wanted to focus on leadership 
and providing input as to what it takes to become a good leader as written by in Mr. Maxwell's book, books, along with some of my personal experiences. That said, I'm not going to try to discuss all 21 qualities or try to summarize a 150-page book in a few minutes of your time, but we'll focus on my top 10 of these qualities and discuss them. Please consider buying his books as they are very informative and I'm sure will be helpful throughout your career. So let's get started in these 10 items. Number one, be a piece of the rock. Character is one of the most important traits of a good leader. Leaders cannot rise above the limitations of their character. Without having character, they cannot sustain any level of success and increase stress unless they own the fundamental character, this fundamental character trait. Character brings lasting success. If you think you are leading and no one is following because of your poor character, you're just going for a walk. Let me repeat that. If you think you are leading and no one is following because of your poor character, you're just going for a walk all by yourself. Talent is a gift, but character is a choice. We create it every time we make choices or decisions, like whether to bend the truth, to make more money, or to do what's right. Number two, communicate. As a leader, if you cannot communicate your vision and plan sufficiently well to be clearly understood by all, then having a message doesn't even matter. Educators take something simple and make it complicated, while communicators take something complicated and make it simple. People won't follow you if they don't know and understand what you want and where you are going. His four basic truths for being an effective communicator are as following. A. Simplify your message. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. B. See the person. Focus on the people and what they need to be told. C. Show the truth. Be credible in what you say and what you do. D. Seek a response. The goal of all communication is action. Give them something to feel, to remember, and to act upon. Number three, focus. I like this saying, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. To focus, you need priorities and concentration. A leader with priorities and no concentration knows what to do, but never gets it done. A leader with concentration and no priorities has excellence without progress. But when he or she harnesses both, there's huge potential. First, focus on your strengths and the new things that need to get done for future success, and secondarily, on your areas of weakness. While you can't avoid weaknesses, try to stick with those things you do best and minimize those things you don't do well by delegating them. Four, initiative. Here's another great saying. Of all the things a leader should fear, complacency is at the top of the list. Look for areas of opportunity, take action, and be prepared to make more mistakes. That said, you will be more successful if you take a few risks, but look for where you are in error and quick to correct them and learn from them. Five, listening. A good leader encourages followers to tell him or her what he needs to know, not what he or she wants to hear. Ever talk with someone who's not listening to what you are saying, but thinking about what they're going to say next? That's a sign of a poor listener who is not interested in what others have to say. Good listening is an art and needs to be practiced when you are talking to your followers, 
customers, competitors, and mentors. Start listening for Start listening for not only words, but also for feelings, meanings, and undercurrents. My main task when I had performance review with my team members was to listen to them. This was their chance to let me know specifically what was on their mind, and it would be a waste of time to let them talk and not get the message. I told all my young employees that it was their responsibility to manage their careers and now is my chance to listen to hear how they wanted their careers to progress, and I would take action as required. Six, passion. Do you know that many CEOs, presidents, and entrepreneurs either are on the bottom half of their class or dropped out of college? They might not be book smart, but they had a passion for what they did. Passion is the first step to achievement. It increases your willpower, it changes you, and it makes the impossible possible. Seven, have a positive attitude. This is one of my favorites. Your attitude is a choice. It determines your actions and is reflected in who you have on your team. You simply cannot be a good leader if you are always looking at the negative side of a situation, your people, or your work in general. I always look for the good in people and how together we can make each person better. When I met each person for the annual review, I asked them on a scale of 1 to 10 how they felt about their job. I then asked them what I could do to make that number go higher and subsequently did what I could for them, as long as they were competent employees. I wanted them all to have a positive attitude about their job, and I felt that my actions to help them would certainly improve their performance. Number 8. Discernment Smart leaders only believe half of what they hear. Discerning leaders know which half to believe. Discernment can be described as the ability to find the root of the matter, and it relies on intuition as well as rational thought. So when opportunities, otherwise known as problems, arise, look for the root cause, which may be a tedious process to uncover. With only parts of the puzzle seen, a a leader can fill in the rest through intuition and find the real heart of the issue. Never ignore your gut feeling, but never believe it is enough. Discernment enables you to use your gut feeling in your head to find the best possible option to proceed. After uncovering the main issue, evaluate options available to, and then evaluate these and resolve the issue to move forward. To me, part of discernment is understanding and knowing your employees well enough to know how to treat them to get the best out of them. I affectionately call this my wet noodle two-by-four approach. I approached one of my senior and well-seasoned engineers one day and asked him what work was going on and if he could get something done for me and squeeze it in with his other important work. After beating around the bush, he said, Neil, just tell me what you want me to do. Okay, I want this done, and I want it on my desk tomorrow by noon. Fine, I'll get it for you then. Soon I realized I just needed to be straight with him. No frills, just tell him what to do. That's my two-by-four approach. If I approach some of the less straightforward people in the group demanding this, it would be so intimidating that they would really be fretting about getting it done in accordance with my instructions. And by the time I demanded it, I would just need to use a wet noodle to coax them into action, not a forceful demand.
That's all part of discernment. Number nine, responsibility. A leader can give up everything except final responsibility. It's common nowadays for people to focus more on their rights and less on their own personal responsibilities. Good leaders never focus on victim mentality, but focus on taking responsibility. They get the job done, are willing to go the extra mile, are driven by excellence and produce regardless of the situation. They are self-disciplined and set on seeing their vision become reality. Vision number 10. A great leader's courage to fulfill his or her vision comes from passion, not position. The future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become obvious. Vision is everything for a leader and is indispensable as it shows where you are headed. Show me a leader without vision and I will show you someone who isn't going anywhere. If you have spent time in solitude thinking about where you want to go and have listened to the thoughts and legitimate issues raised by your followers, you can assemble a game plan and goal to improve your operation and with your other attributes, make it all come to fruition. In my engineering company, we had multiple disciplines all working together to complete a complex project, but communication between disciplines could always be better. One day, a young lady named Ginger who worked for me during my came in and during her annual interview told me that young engineers should come here for a year or two to get experience and then leave as we really weren't doing anything for them. She stated that my list of things that we do for them was done by every other company. So there's no incentive to stay. I then asked, so what are we going to do about it? We to make a long story short, I eventually appointed her as the president of our newly formed group, which I affectionately named the Young Engineer Society, YES. Yes. We implemented a seven-part program which met on our own time to provide the following. Technical presentations, personal improvement talks, professional engineering exam assistance, plant trips, vendor shops, and lastly and most important, social gatherings. We averaged over 35 young people at every gathering of all the engineering, procurement, and project controls disciplines with no budget and 25 events during our first year of operation. It was so successful during a four-year period that we showed this in our marketing presentations and college campus interviews to have our potential customers and employees hear what we are doing for our young personnel. In the end, the communication between all the engineering disciplines improved as the young people became better acquainted and friends and communication barriers were broken down. As you can see, leadership is an art which can be developed as long as a few key attributes exist within the individual. While this is a very short description of what it takes to be a leader, there is a myriad of literature available to help one move in that direction. That said, as I stated in other podcasts, you first start by doing a great job at the beginning of your career, keep a positive attitude, and be an excellent team player. Progress and promotions will come as you progress. Keep looking to the future and how you can in have an influence and work through hard work, determination, and having vision. Inspiring others to live better lives is an accomplishment of leadership.
So what is your life as a supervisor or a manager? A lot of information written above discussing your qualities, but it's useful to have some insight as to how best to manage people. And the following is from my personal experience. Sooner or later, if you follow the basic rules above, you will progress to a level where you have people reporting to you. And it's up to you to know how to get the best out of them by doing what I consider the following. One, respect them, even though you may not like them personally. Two, do what you can to have them become a success by channeling their efforts to do what they do best and what they really want to do. Take advantage of their passion and help them move into the best role for them. Three, help the younger ones to manage their career. Four, I expect that at some time you will be managing people who are older and more experienced than you. And sometimes this is difficult to do as it was my first day as a project manager. The first approach is to work with them, not necessarily lording your higher position over them, but due to their personality or ego, they may not want to accept your approach and simply be a pain in your side. If that first approach doesn't work, then it's time to play hardball with them and force yourself and your goals on them. If that doesn't work, it may be time to have them move to another project using the corporate HR procedure to help them move in or outside the company. Five, your goal as a manager is to keep the quality of your group's output and your team at the highest level of excellence. Sometimes that means that you have to let someone go. And if that's what's best for the company, then you need to do this. It's always easy to give people promotions and raises, but it's tough to fire people or lay them off. But you are paid to do both the easy and the tough jobs. So don't shy away from doing what is required of you as it's part of your job. Always seek excellence in all you do for you and your team. Six, if something is done by one of the employees that is wrong or just doesn't sit well with you, you may be wondering whether you should make an issue out of it with them or maybe just let it go for now. My rule of thumb was to look at my motives for disciplining someone and see if they were pure and not motivated by personal feelings. I also would ask myself if taking someone to task is better for the company. If it is, then I go ahead without delay in bringing that person in and letting them know my position on what they have done and discipline them as required. Seven, I spent one-on-one -on -one time with each employee every year and twice for the newer or younger ones just to see how they're doing and giving them a chance to let them know how I can assist them in managing their career. It also gives me the opportunity to let them know how I feel about them. I would also let them know if I had an issue with them by stating that I had a negative perception about something they did, but I could be wrong in my perception. However, if you wanted me to maintain this negative perception of something they do or how they act, then just keep on doing what you're doing and how you were acting. However, if they wanted my perception of this event or them to change and improve, then they needed to make some change in their attitude to work. I would say 100% of the time they changed and my perception of they changed as well. For those who didn't care about my perceptions, their tenure with the company was short-lived. Number eight, remember your path to a higher management position is proving yourself in your present role. 
And that is done by getting the most out of your people, keeping your product quality good, and meeting company requirements for your good, your group. It is your responsibility to manage your career, and doing a good job will facilitate reaching your career goals. So what's the takeaway message? It takes some special qualities and attributes to be a good leader, and with some maturing and nurturing and attention, good leaders can be groomed. A key to all of this is how you act yourself and how you treat your followers to make them better, thus constantly improving the team as a whole. Instill a sense of pride in the team so they will want to perform and grow and ultimately follow and facilitate implementation of your vision. Well, that's all for now. I hope this podcast has been informative and useful as you grow in your business life. My next podcast will address time management which you will most likely need to learn, fully understand, and do very well as you progress in your career. Please feel free to visit my active website, newgradadvice.com, to learn more about my book and services I offer to anyone interested in having some mentoring advice and in any area. So bye for now, and thanks for listening.